The eighth girl was Victoria. Oh, how symbolic that you and I have finally made it to this next one. Whereas Kenzie represented summer and the inevitable fall, Victoria represented the face of winter and the rebirth of spring. I think this poem is the best way to explain the beginning. It started with a zoo. It started in late spring. Back then, it was still just a fling. I thought nothing of it. Oh, how time thought the opposite. It started with a zoo. Back then, no one knew. Not even us. Why then was that the focus? It started as a walk. Back then, it was only talk. I just needed a friend. I wish that much could mend. It started at a table. Back then, it was still stable. If I had one more wish, I wish some memories would vanish. It ended with a zoo. Every now and then, I think of you. I've moved on to something new. Victoria had started it when she asked me to spring fling in May of 2019. I think you'll realize this. She started everything. And it seems that I ended it. Or did fate. Regardless of a beginning or an end, back then, no one knew, not even us. I knew. I could have told you. Spring Fling was the name of the game. To this day, I won't ever regard what we did as dating. It was a fling, and so it stung real bad when the rubber band came back round. Spring Fling was a dance, just as homecoming was a dance. So there's always a song or two that symbolizes that night. That night's song was You Are My Sunshine by Johnny Cash, with an honorable mention to Crocodile Rock by Elton John. Maybe it was just the nostalgia of my dad singing that song to me when I was younger, but that song brought me to tears as we carpooled back with Michael and AJ and their dates. I know now, just like I knew then, I never thought anything romantic between us that night. But oh, how a slight dip into nostalgia like that unlocks the heart in unknown ways. Now with everything in the past caught up, we go to the day after Christmas, or December 26th, 2019. I had tried so, so hard with Kenzie after my failed attempt, or lack thereof, on homecoming. We had even gone on two more dates afterwards, one of them being a double date with Michael and Victoria to the Utah State Fair. It all comes full circle now, doesn't it? That night was a lot of fun, and like I said, I never knew until later on that Kenzie did like me. Her parents did not. I'm now going to share two poems that symbolize the subtle transition from Kenzie to Victoria. The Serenity Fair. Whenever the fair comes to town, I wander. I start to wander so I can be alone, and when I'm alone, I stop to ponder. Where does it all go, year after year? Each year it's always silly games with prizes unknown, and the real unknown is the sounds that fill each ear. The fair is a monument of the memories we've made. I've made them before so I can only wonder. I wonder what it would be like if the fair always stayed. I've wandered and seen all there is to see. I've seen people together and winds asunder. 
There's a sunder in my thoughts. Is serenity free? It seems I am just a boy. I'm a boy without the answer, and the answer they search for is joy. Box of chocolates. The serendipitous allocation of leaves brings me back to that time before the storm. Trees were not beginning to bloom. Flowers were not shooting out a bloom. Snowstorms were not starting to plume. Yes, it was summer. It was not a season of fall. It was not springing new life to all. It was not an endless state of winter drawl. It was the season of the newcomer. And so life finds joy in the summer. The serendipitous allocation of hearts brings me back to that time after the storm. I'm still figuring out that part. Each new day is like a box of chocolates. So there I was, the day after Christmas. My mom had just faked a seizure and given me PTSD the day before. I had my new F91W watch, never to leave my wrist to this day, except for boom boom. I'm not sure what that means. I don't think it means what people might think it would imply. I really don't know, I should ask him about that. That's boom boom, that's very weird. Kenzie was depressed. I think she knew she couldn't talk to me but she still would send one-word responses. I took the hint and hiked Enzyme Peak with my brothers. You were right, Cash. The two most depressing days of the year are the day after Halloween and the day after Christmas. I'd say New Year's Day is the worst day of the year, but those other two come close. What a nightmare. I really needed a friend. This set the screen for Victoria. Sorry if it changed back to Kenzie for a second there. Like I said, it's complicated. It always is. There's one more girl that happened in between December 26th and March 13th, and that was Megan Myers, but I think she's best to wait for for the finale of this entire letter. Anyways, I think you already know what happened next. March came around and so did my birthday. Somehow Victoria found out and she got me The Body by Stephen King. Only she didn't just give it to me. Somehow she slipped it into my backpack during class. I was surprised when I got home. The next week, BAM! COVID breaks out. Friday the 13th is no longer scary. It's confusing. You and I had gone on that walk, and then, like the wind, I didn't hear anything from you, or Michael, or my brothers, or anyone. All quarantine and no play made Jack a dull boy. Thankfully, Three weeks later, Nelson and Hunter took me on a trip to Gunlock Reservoir and Zion and St. George. That was one of my favorite trips because there really was no one else anywhere. Later on in the month, I had decided to do something I wouldn't have done without a boost in courage. I applied to speak at graduation. Cash, I think I shared my bucket list with you, but I don't think anyone truly knows that I've secretly wanted to speak at graduation for all my life. I don't like to toot my own horn, but that is an accomplishment I will always own up to. March had come and gone, and a familiar spring weather had come back. I had started my poetry podcast for my English class, and you had finally come back to the land of the living. Not completely, though. You had started to text me back, but not much. April 7th was the night all of it came together. I had started staying at my mom's to try and rekindle my relationship with her, 
We, mostly me, had watched General Conference and gone on a lot of bike rides. All of my experiences with girls up to this point had rooted me from those things my dad had taught me. With this, my dad had told me one more thing. If you don't have a good relationship with your mom, it will be all the more difficult to have a good relationship with a girl. Oh, how my dad was right. He always was. I think my sudden repair of my relationship with my mom sparked even more nostalgia in my soul, or rather stupidity. A lunar banner in the sky, April 7th, 2020. The skies were empty, but the moon was full. I began my walk of solace at 1026, just so I could see the luminary clock rise above Olympus like the sun would do the next morning. At 1117, the parking lot was empty, just like the sky. Although the moon wasn't the only thing hanging up high. Banners titled 50 years, they made me want to cry. Why, oh why, did you have to say goodbye? The time was now 11.59, but the silence and emptiness had followed me onto the field. I could almost hear the crowd's commotion as I looked back at the stands. Twas but a memory, and the sounds I heard were just my feet rustling in the grass. That night was so peaceful. I never thought living across the street from your school could bring such closure. Something I failed to visualize in the poem were the trees. Oh, how brightly those trees bloom at the beginning of April. It's quite a spectacle to see. Maybe you could recreate the walk or something for night rhymes. Anyways, like I said at the beginning, most of this crap I'm writing isn't about Victoria, it's about me. Regardless, the next night I asked Victoria if she wanted to go on our first walk. A bird in the hand. There are no other cars on the road tonight. There are no birds in the sky. There are only the reflections of a single green light. A single green light my speed does not satisfy. I sense a cold beyond the grass. I wonder why the wind is so shy. There are no signs for another underpass, and so darkness has come to make it stand. Now my hand is outside, reaching for the grass. Why can I only reach the sand? As if there wasn't more to invite, there is a bird in hand. There are no other cars on the road tonight. The decision I've made has turned out all right. Oblivious as I was, the countdown until the end of high school had me more distracted. I listened to your end of summer Night Rhymes episode and it got me a bit nostalgic. I know your senior year sucked more with masks the entire year and things being canceled, but looking back, I don't know which I would prefer. I mean, to have the satisfying ending just ripped away from you without any kind of warning really sucked. I just wanted an 80s movie freeze frame as I walked across an empty stage. Alas, I got my 80s movie ending by making it to April 14th, 2021. After all the pain that high school brought, I'm glad it ended the way it did. More on that after a quick experience in early May of 2020. This would be the second time I would go down to southern Utah in a month. This time, however, I went with my aunt and uncle and my cousins, Bella and Jonah. We weren't going as far south as St. George, but we did go to Goblin Valley. We camped in the BLM, Bureau of Land Management, and were completely isolated from the few others we saw. Bella was on her phone most of the time, of course, so I ended up spending more time with Jonah. I was really glad I did because he reminds me a lot of me. 
even now when I call back home to them. His experiences are so similar, and his personality continues to grow. He, on the other hand, has something I did not, and that's an example. Someone to give him advice. Anyways, with some exploring of the red sand wasteland, hey, that's a cool poem title you could use, we made up a few fun games, such as trying to get a rock to stay on the edge of a cliff we threw them at. We found a perfect rock for a toilet seat, which he later used. We also found a rock that looked just like a heart. If you go through my downloaded photos on my laptop, you'll see it. That rock is the theme of this entire trip. Jonah later got tired and took a nap, and I was left alone. I had my phone, but I didn't want to waste the battery. So after dinner, we had marshmallows, and everyone else went to bed. I tried to, but I couldn't sleep. So I got out of my tent and made my way to the top of the plateau we camped around. Boy, was it windy. I nearly thought it would blow me off the side at times. I told you the wind guided my life back then, even if I wasn't always aware of it. I remember checking my watch for the time, but all I saw was the stars. I found a rock to perch on as the wind continued to scream a warning call. The wind was promptly ignored. My focus was on the Milky Way. At a certain point, I pulled out my phone to play some music, but little did I know there would only be two songs I played with an emphasis on the latter. Under the Milky Way by The Church and Song for Zula by Phosphorescence. After the first song started to quiet, so did the wind. For almost the length of the entire song, about five minutes, I think, the wind did not pick up. Once it did, I got off the rock and started spinning with my head pointed at the stars and my phone pressed against my ear. I don't have a particular poem for this experience, but believe me, something changed that night. I never thought the love for stargazing could grow, but it did. Even here on the mission, it has grown, because I haven't been able to do it very much, if at all. I'm somewhat excited for Argentina, because it will be a whole nother sky of stars. As all nostalgic trips do, the trip ended on May 1st. Schoolwork was non-existent at this point, and I honestly didn't care if they gave me lower than A's, even though I still did somehow. I had started hanging out with Nick Ayer a few times, and even more so before he left. He's a good guy and it made me sad to think I had gone all of high school without really trying to get to know him. I'm glad I pulled it together right before the end. What ending? Like I said, four years had led to a finish line we were no longer sure was there. One thing I will say for sure, I've been a different person since high school and now I look back in hopeful nostalgia. A walk down a familiar place. They've started to decorate the cottonwoods with yellow ribbons in preparation for this year's walk. To a boy, it's all so familiar. To an adult, it's all too foreign. I remember those days as a run to the finish line. Now, I relish those moments when it's a walk between the race and a marathon. I wonder what I would tell them now that they've made it to the place I once was. After all, I remember that feeling even though I won't get to see them, I'll be there just like those who walked before or there. I will be there, driving past at a speed that is unfamiliar now that they've slowed down. I know what I'd tell them. Whether they'd turn their head or not wouldn't matter, because they'd all listen sooner or later. I know what I'd tell them. I'd tell them two words. Don't change. There's so many emotions happening in my life at this time that I've tried to portray. 
Graduation was May 22nd. I decided to sleep on the football field out of a makeshift tent slash cot I made out of a tarp and shoestring. Just like prom night with Lizzie, it rained all night. I was so focused on that tent that I didn't even talk to Michael and everyone else when they came by. Originally, they were going to stay there with me, but only I and the girls did. Of course, they stayed in a separate tent, but they talked to me for a while, especially Victoria. I should have known then and there. I'll probably be saying that a lot, so prepare yourself. Regardless of it all, I slept in the cold only to wake up feeling nothing. Only three days later would the feeling come back. Only three days later would I remember the wind's warning. Only three days later would the course of my life be changed forever. I've always liked Memorial Day. When I was younger, my cousins and I would always go up to Logan with my grandma and aunts and uncles to visit Brian, my grandpa, at the cemetery. After what seemed like hours of talking and silly games and rock stacks on his headstone, we would go to the Aggie Creamery. It was and still is a tradition that I cherish. When I was seven on Memorial Day, my grandma made me and Bella kiss to get ice cream. She's such a strange person, but I love her regardless. This questionable incest paved the way for that Memorial Day ten years later. Ever since my dad had passed, my grandma had only taken a few of my younger cousins because she now had multiple cemeteries to visit. This being the case, everyone had their own plans for Memorial Day, and I had none. With this, I hadn't gone back to the cemetery since you and I had gone there five months prior. Now you can begin the amount of times I will say this, but there was a lot of emotions that all coincided on the same day. And so, with myself to blame, I asked Victoria if she wanted to go with me to my father's grave. It's funny, I've told this story three times on my mission. All in the voice of Vincent Price. When you've got this letter and have made it to this point, let me know. I did a voice recording of the whole story. I'll still write it down here, but just know I've gotten really good at telling it in person. I'm not going to play the recording of Jackson because it's really long because of the way he reads it and this episode's already very long. And I'm also not going to read this in the voice of Vincent Price because I feel like that'll get annoying pretty quick. So I asked Victoria. She said, absolutely. And I picked her up around sunset time. We talked a little bit more awkwardly in the car until we made it to the cemetery. Once there, we made our way to his grave without saying anything. I cracked a joke finally about him, and then we were talking back to normal the rest of the night. We left, got some shaved ice at the Shave Ice by Target and Panda Express at that one park. I got Tiger's Blood, and she got Pina Colada, I believe. How does he remember that? As I was about to drop her off, she said, Wait, what about our walk tonight? And she suggested... A short one around the park. Park with the wooden boardwalk. You already know which one I'm talking about. I obliged and we started the walk around 9.45, just as the sun was past the horizon and it was twilight. We walked really, really slow that night, taking everything in for what it was. 
we would see a curve in a tree that looked peculiar and we would stop for a few minutes and talk about it. Those telephone pipes at the playground, Constellations Playground, had us held up for 15 minutes. It was all leading up to two key places, the table and the rock. First, the table. Always a table in the woods. The next time you walk by a table in the woods, don't pass it by. Now don't feel the need to glorify, just take a break on its benches and look at the sky. Ask yourself, what happened here? Although a baffling thought, memories disappear. The only evidence for those who pass by is that solitary table that lends its ear. It seemed friendship, sadness, love, and fear. Till tomorrow, the future is unclear. The next time you walk by a table in the woods, don't pass it by. Now, with a conversation that had drifted from small talk to the deep end, there is no memory of the walk in between. We had been looking at each other as we talked, mostly her at me, which is why I should have been more aware of what was happening. Nothing could have prepared me for the rock, however. Make a wish. The brightest light in the distance beckons a kiss. The ticking clock nearby beckons endless bliss. These crossing stars are getting dimmer. The chances to stay are getting slimmer. Why would stars lie? I made a wish. Was it only me caught in the sky? That's not my best poem and certainly one I wish was better, but it portrays the visual. Not all poems are perfect. Not all moments are memorable. And so we had made it to the rock. Victoria said, I saw a dog jump and sit up there the other day. She was fascinated by it and proceeded to talk about how much it fascinated her. That's when she paused and said, we should go up there. I really didn't know how small that rock was until I helped her up. We stood for a minute, but when we sat down, I noticed our legs were millimeters from touching. It was a really small rock. We talked about this and that until Tall and Short came up and we watched Half Tank. It's still fascinating to me that I had only made one movie back then. And even so, you did make most of it. After it was over, we talked about music. And I think I showed her Revolution 9 and she didn't like it, obviously. So she turned on the song Smile by R5. It's one of the most basic girl songs I've ever heard and she really liked it. So we listened to the whole thing. Once it ended, everything went quiet and she didn't say anything for a minute. A moment later, she asked softly, which light do you think is brighter? She was referring to the moon and a street lamp. I took a picture before responding something along the lines of, I guess it'd depend on perspective. This was where silence became a big part of the night as she didn't say anything for two minutes. Then it came, she said, then you are the brightest light. Rewind five minutes. I totally forgot about this part. It was 11.11 and she said, make a wish. And we both asked if each other had made a wish, hence the poem. Very cringe, I know. She really liked 11.11. I didn't know what to say. I was in shock. 
This is when the realization of the past few months had finally come back to me. I had a lot of questions that sparked up that night, but the only one I could mutter was, what, what do you mean? It was a stupid question, I know. I knew perfectly well what she meant. She only responded, sorry, forget I said anything. Of course I kept asking, and then she got quieter as she talked. As she did, so did I. The silence came back, and she said, I didn't think this was possible. I like you, like, a lot. She then continued, I know you don't feel the same way, and that I have a boyfriend, but I'm going to break up with him. What a sucker I was. That is the most basic crap in the book, not to be guilty of anything. Regardless, it all went like whoop over my head. She would turn away and say sorry as I tried to get her to say more. Then she kissed me on the cheek. Silence wasn't just a good friend at this point. He was a full-fledged family member. Then, for the first time that night, I can say that I am 100% accountable for what happened next. I kissed her back on the cheek, thinking that would be the end of it and that we could just go back to friendship walks. Silence again. She put her hand on her leg, like that scene in La La Land. Then whoop! Little old me does the same thing and we're holding hands. This is when she says, This was my wish. Like a snake, she had put an apple in my line of sight and I lie and say, me too. That's when everything gradually fell around us and we were looking at each other and she said, whatever happens tomorrow, we always have tonight. So this next part is not your fault. Then we kissed. Well, you already know what happened thereafter. Tomorrow did come, and so did my guilt. As I was dropping her off, she said she was going to let me talk to him first. But that was the first lie. When I woke up on four hours of restless, stressful sleep, Michael had already been informed of what had happened. I wanted to tell him in person, but because she told him I didn't see him or her for over a month, it was a hard month, but one that needed to happen. Then Nick Eyre had a yearbook signing party, which we all went to. At this point, Michael had told me, he told Scott and Sam, so they looked at me different most of the night. I felt alone. Thank the Lord for Nick Eyre, though. He was my friend that night. And I did talk to Michael that night, but only in an awkward, small talk way. Victoria had intentionally diverted any attention to me because she knew Michael was watching us like a hawk. Both of them didn't write in their yearbook, but I wrote in Michael's. I didn't write any specifics, but to this day, I still consider that one of the most thought-out pieces of writing I have ever conceived, and he still has never acknowledged it to this day. Another final letter, I guess. After the party, everyone went back to Cottonwood like they always do, but Nick and I stayed behind a bit and talked. I ended up telling him about me and Victoria, and he made it a lot better by acknowledging her fault in it. 
He kept the secret really well. I hung out with you a few days thereafter, then on June 25th, something else happened. Exactly one month since the day I met up with Victoria to talk about the mess. We met at the park, and most of it, if not all of the conversation, was in the parking lot and the table. She dressed up that day, and she knew it. She mentioned something about yearbooks, and both of us happened to have ours in our car, so of course we signed them. Hers is really extensive in mind. Once we were leaving, we hugged goodbye, but that was a mistake because she whispered, Please don't let go. It was a fairly long hug, which was partly due to my shock. I didn't know what to do, so I froze up. Once the hug was done, we kissed again, and then left. I'm getting very cringed out writing these parts, so you better make this movie good. Just kidding, of course. We hung out about three times in between that day and July 4th. All times she said she wasn't going to message Michael, which was the second lie. I'm not proud of myself for these days, but they were the only way I could get experience, which was for my own good. See DNC 127. On July 4th, the next big event happened. I went up to the snow pine with you all that morning and hung out and we filmed and then I went back home. Her and I had plans to watch and light some fireworks and the entire day Michael was trying to get my plans for that night. He said it was because he wanted to hang out with me but it was really so that I didn't hang out with her. After fireworks and food with her, we were parked and then I got a phone call from Michael. He kept calling and he called 10 times throughout the night until I told her I needed to take it. His words are imprinted on my brain. All he said was, are you with her? I paused, then I responded, yes. He cried over the phone and I started crying too. We cried for 10 minutes. Victoria just stared at me until she put her hands on her face and started crying too. We all knew it was one or the other. So I dropped her off and said I had to work on his friendship for a while. She knew it had to be that way and she went inside crying. I didn't just choose not to see her, but I didn't text her either. Things gradually improved with Michael until they didn't. Throughout all of this, him and Victoria were still hanging out. You were right from the beginning. I should have let you follow her. I went to Bear Lake with my family and filmed Dogwood. Then something miraculous happened. Neowise. My comet Neowise. In the midst of a starlit night, there shines an ethereal light. A comet has appeared. A lowly eye has teared. There's no need to converse. It's just a flash across the universe. A flash across the heavens. Then with the cults of dawn, both the lights were gone. One year ago to the day, it flashed before my eyes. The world called it Neowise. I called you mine. Within the space of two months, I had already checked off two items from my bucket list. See a comet and speak at graduation. It was spectacular. I realize now I may miss the comet more than I ever did her. Regardless, for some reason, this sparked me talking with her. We met up twice more before it was officially over. 
before the comet had inspired, it was faded. Once was the first or second day of August, and the last day was August 21st, her birthday. I had given her my pineapple painting in a frame, and we went to the zoo, of all places. We took our time and walked around as if we were still the same kids back in April walking around the high school. It was really nice and not just because we talked things through, but because I would leave for BYU the next day. And so we talked about the fall from innocence. Like I explained all those pages ago, it started with a zoo. It ended with a zoo. I needed the experience with her to get past the nostalgia of saying goodbye to high school. And now I've shared these things with you for closure. Truly, this has been a walk down a familiar place. <laughs>